Fresh from a not-so-Super Bowl halftime show, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that works like a dog. Here's a man who doesn't sleep, he waits. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the Medicare for the Lazy Man, and I guess I'm the lazy man. I don't see anybody else around here that's willing to accept that appellation. I am Doug Jones, as you heard my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, say. I am your Medicare expert, or in some circles, I am known as a Medicare specialist, and I am here to help you feel really, really good about the impending process that many of you are facing of enrollment in Medicare. And let's face it, nobody ever likes change, and the government has forced people to change their health insurance coverage about when they turn 65 or maybe years after they turn 65 when they cease their gainful employment and uh, leave their employer's health insurance plan and go out on their own. Medicare is what the government has in store for you. Well, people like me can help make sense of what seems to be a very confusing situation, and that's what I spend my career doing. You can understand and learn from uh, my very, very easy book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. If you go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com you'll find my book if you search medicare for the lazy man be sure to look for the one that has 2022 in green numbers on the cover that's the most current one and uh, you will be able to learn all about medicare in a very short period of time and hopefully after having done that you will gain confidence in my ability to help you cross the divide and enter the world of Medicare. And that's what I do for people. I help them get the additional ancillary coverages that they need to make Medicare work for them. So uh, please buy the book, have a gander at it, maybe go to amazon.com and leave your review, especially if you like the book, and then give me a, a drop me a line. My address is right in the book, and I will be happy to help you cross that line between Obamacare and Medicare, and you'll be very happy. You will sail off into the sunset without a care in the world when it comes to health insurance. And when it comes to having not a care in the world, I'd like to introduce my podcasting companion, Randy Carson. Uh, Randy, do you have any cares today at all that I should know about? No, I do not. I'm I'm just as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm as happy as a clam. I don't know how else I could be possibly better. Uh, I just woke up with a really great attitude, and I felt like I could really I had a good night's sleep last night, which for very for a variety of reasons that I won't uh, you know go into gory detail, but I've got a new pup, so that might give everybody on the podcast a, a pretty good idea of what I'm up against. I thought there was a sheep wandering around behind you there, but apparently it's it's not. Uh, it's it, white and fluffy it, and big. That's uh, exactly what it is. It's a standard poodle. 
Her name is Una. And for those of you who don't happen to understand Gaelic, that is Gaelic for lamb. So she is a big, big standard poodle that is white as a lamb. And she has got a really great personality. But she doesn't know the process of when to go and when we're expected to get up with her. So, you know, we'll get there. It's She's only been us with, uh, she's been with us a couple of weeks. Well, here's the deal. First of all, when I hear the word lamb, my mouth starts watering because I love nothing better than mint sauce or mint jelly. In fact, if I ordered lamb at a restaurant, it would be just to get the mint and I would throw away the meat. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one thing I think of when I hear the word lamb. The other thing is when you say Gaelic, I know that you're talking about the old sod. Uh, you're talking about Ireland. And yeah. um, but don't the Scots also have it isn't their dialect also referred to as Gaelic? And could the same yes. be said of the Welsh? Yes, it's all part and parcel of the same thing. They're just different der- derivations. Uh I mean, ultimately they can all understand each other, but there's idiosyncrasies. Uh, between each one that are a little bit different. Well, they can all understand each other until you get to uh, Willie, the uh, janitor at the at the <laughs> Simpson School. That guy's a little difficult to understand. But uh, would it not be accurate to say that pretty much all the people on the British Isles, with the exception of the old tribes that were there, uh, the um, uh, I want to say the uh, Saxons and the Jutes, and the angles, um, wouldn't it be accurate to say that um, many of those people in the British Isles came from Norway and uh they were you know Norsemen that conquered yeah well yeah there was that was uh that was certainly one of the earlier invasions so a lot of the you know a lot of the red hair a lot of the a lot of the names a lot of the place names a lot of the people names all that came from the Normans uh in terms of when they invaded the the Irish well the Normans the Normans invaded England in 1066 but the Norsemen I think invaded the British Isles a lot earlier than that. That could be. I think it, uh, I know. I know that that's uh, certainly part of the history of the English or the British Isles. Uh, I don't know exactly when they did all that and what the differentiation was, but bottom line is it left a lot of red hair yeah and that's the scary thing um drew mcmillan well my sister emily married a mcmillan a canadian mcmillan and uh, moved to canada and that's where she's raised her family her granddaughter little nora who's about a year and a half old um has the red hair that's been passed down from the Vikings. Now, uh, her father-in-law, Emily's father-in-law, Andy's father is still with us. He's pushing a hundred years old and he wore his kilt to, uh, Drew's wedding. When Drew got married a few years ago, uh, he is proud of his Scots heritage. And, uh, I imagine the, the red hair might've come through his genetic, uh, pool, his gene pool, but, uh, yeah. boy, she's, she's got red hair. We've all, all Joneses had blonde hair when they were born, but um, they had that Macmillan characteristic in there and you got some, some red hair. So she's a cutie yep. pie though. And oh, she, she is. is. I've, <laughs> absolutely. I've seen, as you know, I've seen pictures, a couple right. of pictures of her and boy, is she a little cutie patootie. 
Okay, let us get down to business here because I've got a lot of chocolate milk soaked paperwork that I want to throw away. And if I can plow through some of that today and get rid of it, this office is going to smell a lot better because I have an idea that the longer it goes with chocolate milk imbued paper, the worse the uh, ambient air is going to smell. But um, so let me start out with just going through things in the order that I have them stacked up here. Uh, You may recall a few episodes ago, my friend Clarence uh, joined us. He was the first in-studio guest we ever had, and I pumped him about his his love of Weimariners. He's got, uh, he's had up to four at a time. I think he only has three now, uh, but they, uh, this is one of the things that he's done with his retirement years is raise Weimariners that had difficult lives before they came to him. Uh, I think they call that rescuing in the dog world. And he, uh, as I'm, I'm happy to say <laughs> of my nine year undergrad college career, I have one college friend. You'd think I would have more since I spent nine years, but he's my only college friend. But um, we live up in Cave Creek, and he lived down in Gilbert, so it was like an hour and 15-minute drive, and we didn't see each other very often. So uh, last year, last summer, I guess, he decided to sell his house and move up to Cave Creek. And so uh, that was like a snap decision. We were all out to dinner, and everybody at the table was just, their jaws dropped. Really? You know, how long have you been thinking about this? Oh, I think yesterday I came up with the idea. So he, um, instead of selling his house, because we had a flurry of uh, real estate activity in Arizona, prices went sky high for a while. I think a whole bunch of Californians with big wads of cash came across the border into Arizona, and they drove up the real estate values for a period of time for a few weeks. And so that was, he just missed the high point of the market. But what he did that was kind of smart, instead of selling his house and hoping for a bidding war, he actually sold it outright to one of these, we'll buy your house outfits and um and then he um was able to make the move to his new house without a problem and when he did his neighbor in the old neighborhood was watching his house and things happened all of a sudden the neighbor woke up looked out one day and there was water flowing out from under the garage door and um, so he called the real estate outfit and said hey you got some water coming out and they weren't in any particular hurry to fix it. Uh, I, I can imagine the swimming pool started looking like a swamp at some point. And they have had that house for months and months and months now. They've been lowering the price. So what was a $700,000 house when Clarence sold it to this outfit became about a $524,000 house. And the difference represents the financial loss that that company took. And I read a newspaper article that said all over Arizona, these outfits bought up tons of houses thinking they would make big, big money. And they're in debt by billions not millions, but billions of dollars. So uh, I can see where that's going to be a problem. But the reason I bring up Clarence is because he suggested that I listen to a uh, a radio uh, know-it-all, a consumer reporter kind of guy. And this guy has a very established and very um, busy website where people write in and they make comments, they ask questions and so forth and so on. And on this website, uh, our, our buddy Steve uh, responded to a question that somebody asked about Medicare. 
Steve said, here, read this book. It will answer your questions. And the guy was kind of snotty. He answered Steve's uh, suggestion in the uh, forum on that website. It's Clark Howard, by the way. If you go to ClarkHoward.com, I think that's the site. And so the exchange took place in the um, Medicare or health insurance area. And Steve said, this book will probably help you a lot. And the guy was kind of snotty. He said, um, lazy man. I don't need the help of a lazy man. My wife has serious medical problems and it's, uh, I need some really special uh, uh, professional help. And so Steve kind of let it drop. But then when I appeared, uh, appeared like uh, Steve suggested, I went on the uh, forum, I signed up, I gave myself a nickname and I said, uh, I would be happy to help. The guy recognized that I had written the book and he put on a very, very nice uh, synopsis of the book. He said he finally did buy the book. He read it and he said it was fantastic and he recommends it to other listener or other users of that forum. And so I told Steve, hey, this is great. Thanks for getting me in good with this forum. Well, it turns on I stepped on some turns out I stepped on some toes. They had an insurance expert who they they all worshipped until I came along. And uh this guy didn't like two of my comments, which were basically in response to questions that other forum users had. I was trying to answer their questions and I didn't know how to do it without breaking the forum rules. And so they pulled down two of my responses to their forum users and i was uh left out in the cold because i asked them uh you know what's the proper way of dealing with this so that i don't violate your rules and they refused to answer and and so uh basically i'm still a member there but i can't figure out how to help people on that forum without violating their stupid rules and uh mr uh mr insurance guru uh, you know is all uh upset with uh you know the intrusion of somebody else that knows about insurance so anyway um i got an an email yesterday from a woman who said hey i want you to help me get my medicare supplement and my drug plan and i said well that's exactly what i do how did you find me and she said i saw your book um promoted on the clark howard website and so I went out and bought it, and I found out that everything that was said about it is true. It was a fantastic effort that helped me out a lot. So I don't know how to go back and use their site without these people throwing me off again, deleting my uh, entries. But I wanted to thank Clarence for telling me about it. And if anybody can figure out a way that I can avail myself of Clark Howard's website to help people that are that need help with Medicare, then I sure would appreciate it because I think it worked for this one lady. I'm able to help her, and I'm hoping that other people uh, will come my way because of that uh, Clark Howard thing. I may have mentioned that I have chocolate milk all over my paper. Very noisy, so I apologize for the uh, ambient uh, noises that you're hearing. Here's another chocolate milk-soaked um, article that I printed up. The small share of employers that offer retiree health benefits are increasingly turning to Medicare Advantage. Now, we keep hearing that Medicare Advantage plans are taking up a larger and larger percentage of people who are going on to Medicare. In other words, when you go on to Medicare, you have your choice of either getting a Medicare uh, a Medicare. Um, supplement plan, which is what I sell. That's what I recommend. And that's what I sell to my clients. Or you can get a Medicare Advantage plan, which takes away Medicare 
and substitutes the insurance company's plan in its place. And the uh, uh, population of Medicare Advantage uh, enrollees has been growing, and it's almost 50% of all the people going on to Medicare. Now, it's very close to 50%. And I've been wondering why, because it can't be explained entirely by uh, Joe Namath sitting there talking to a bunch of people about their dental benefits and their rides to the doctors and their free lunches and all that stuff. There had to be something else at work. And here it is. The small share of employers who offer retiree health benefits are offering Medicare Advantage plans. And why is that? Because the government pays for them. The companies have offered retiree coverage to their employees as a uh, benefit, as a uh, like a golden handcuff or like a way of thanking them for their service. Well, then they turn around and they suck the money for this uh, retirement benefit out of the treasury. Uh, the government is paying for this uh, Medicare Advantage thing. What they do is if an insurance company says, uh, I have a Medicare Advantage plan, it meets all of your criteria, which are kind of loosey-goosey, by the way, and uh, we want to start enrolling people, the government says, all right, we'll give you a capitation. We'll give you a dollar figure per month per member. And so an employer that has a bunch of retirees and he he's sick of paying the premiums for retiree health insurance can go to the government or go to this insurance company and say, would you like to cover all of my retirees? And they can try to force their retirees into Medicare Advantage plans. And I think that accounts probably for some measure of the increased percentage of Medicare Advantage enrollees over and above the Medicare uh, supplement uh, people. And uh, frankly, the Medicare supplement people, I keep beating on this uh, drum because Medicare supplement is a far superior uh, coverage for anybody that's on Medicare. If they give up the opportunity for Medicare supplement by going to Medicare Advantage instead, because they're lured by all the fancy schmancy promises and the the shiny baubles and the empty uh, promises, they're going to lose, if they stay on long enough, they're going to lose the opportunity to go back to Medicare Supplement. And Medicare Supplement is the coverage that allows them freedom of choice. Medicare Advantage is the coverage that makes the insurance company bean counters in charge of the treatment, very often, of the Medicare Advantage member. So I would say think carefully before you make that phone call to Joe Namath or William Devane or you know any of those uh, those uh, TV commercials because once they lure you in and I I talked to a guy who actually made one of those calls just to see what it was like he uh, is um, a an old friend of mine and he knows that Medicare Advantage is not the way to go but he wanted to see what would happen if he uh, dialed the phone so he had a couple of cocktails and and gave it a try one night when he was sitting there watching TV and he said it was the hardest sell uh, he said they they just pounded on him he finally said I uh, I am sorry but you know I'm a uh, Medicare agent I'm an expert a specialist in Medicare I wouldn't buy your Medicare Advantage plans if the uh, if my life depended on it, and the guy hung up on him. So it was not a friendly, happy phone call. So let's see, the um, paragraphs in this article that I highlighted, the shift to Medicare Advantage has implications for retirees. Now think about this if you're trying to decide between Medicare Advantage and Medicare Supplement. 
On the one hand, this approach may help retirees if it enables employers to maintain or even broaden retiree health benefits rather than scale back or even terminate coverage. On the other hand, it has the potential to restrict retirees' access to doctors and hospitals for Medicare-covered services, depending on the plan's provider network, and subject retirees to utilization management tools, such as prior authorization, that may limit access to Medicare-covered services. The rising number of large employers choosing Medicare Advantage for their Medicare-eligible retirees also has implications for federal spending because, and this is underlined, Medicare spends more per person for enrollees in Medicare Advantage plans, including group plans, than for beneficiaries covered by traditional Medicare, and the implication there is Medicare supplement plans as well. So that tells me that the government is making a huge mistake when they su- subsidize and promote the sale of Medicare Advantage plans. And we are doing a disservice to uh, the economy uh, by allowing that to continue. So I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, so um, ooh, here in my pile of uh, chocolate milk stained paperwork is a question from Dominic Regina. I threw this in here because I thought his contribution might be helpful, so let's see what he has to say. Uh, It's right before Thanksgiving. He wrote, um, greetings from the land. No, I wrote, greetings from the land of fruits and nuts. Where are Dominic's? Okay. On Wednesday, November 23rd, he wrote, hey, Doug, I am currently looking to retire on June 1st. When I file for Medicare Part B, I was looking to submit the IRMA form SSA-44 at the same time since my income will be lower when compared to my 2021 modified adjusted gross income. Now, IRMA is the the, uh, penalty, the success penalty that the government will charge if your income two years prior has been over a certain limit. It's called income-related Medicare or monthly adjustment amount. Income-related monthly adjustment amount. It's IRMA. And the form that he's talking about here, SSA-44, is the form that allows you to tell the federal government that you shouldn't have to pay the full IRMA that your tax return would indicate because you've had a life change, like maybe retiring, stopping work, Uh, dropping your income drastically, you've had a life change that will remove the high income and then remove the need for the penalty. So he's wondering, do I need to wait for the first IRMA assessment before filing that form? Or can I submit the form SSA-44 at the same time as I apply for Part B? The form instructions included the following statement that prompted my question. Here's the statement that's on that form. The form is like 12 pages long. It's really a nightmare. And I sit down with a couple of stiff drinks in order to plow through all the fine print. The the statement there is the life-changing event date must be in the same year or an earlier year than the tax year you ask us to use to decide your income-related premium adjustment. So uh, Dominic says, let me know if I'm thinking about this correctly. And I feel good that Dominic asked me these things rather than his brother, who is an attorney. 
And Dominic said, P.S. Have a great Thanksgiving and enjoy your visit with the McMillan clan. So he was listening carefully when I was announcing my Thanksgiving plans. So I said to Dominic, greetings from the land of fruits and nuts. The page one illustration or instructions on the SSA-44 I saw, and this is the 12-2021 revision. Those instructions stated that you should file the form when you have been informed that there will be an IRMA surcharge assessed on your Part B and or Part D premium. Then I went on to say, this doesn't mean you shouldn't request an opinion if you have an opportunity to do so during your Part B enrollment. Part B is in boy. Many enrollees wind up having to con or having contact with an actual person at the government, at the Social Security Administration. That's the, the department of the government that oversees Medicare. So many enrollees wind up having contact with an actual person. So if that happens to you, I would ask for their professional opinion as to when to file that form. However, the instructions seem to make it clear that you can procrastinate until their notification of the bad news, if you wish. Sorry, I haven't had any direct experience that would inform me as to the best way to file this form. Hope that helped. Have a great Thanksgiving and give my best to Giovanni. And uh, Dominic said, hey, Doug, thanks for the quick reply. Have a great Thanksgiving as well. So I guess because he didn't complain that my response was acceptable to him. And he uh, probably will get through that just fine by asking the opinion of the government official that he's talking to. Uh, so then I've got a paper here, the chocolate milk stained piece of paper referring to that Clark Howard website, and it's Clark.com, the Clark Howard community, Clark.com, it says here. Uh, so anyway, I've already addressed that, so more chocolate milk down the drain. And here is uh, a, an article that scares me just a little bit because of the strife that it has the potential to create in our normally placid uh, civilized American society. The headline of this is it's not just COVID flu and RSV mean masks need to come back. And I violently disagree with this particular author. Frankly, masks were not necessary in the first place. I think we all learned that masks don't do any good. The Unless you have one of those surgical um, N95 masks that seals to your face and um, makes it an airtight, overwhelming uh, seal. And then you have to carry a tank around with you because you don't want to uh, have your breath even a little bit escape the mask. I'm telling you, this mask thing was only a political ploy to illustrate how the government could force people to dance to their tune. And I'm no dancing monkey. I don't even have monkey pox, which I can't even call monkey pox anymore. I have to call it M pox because of the World Health Organization. But I swear, this whole thing about masks is ass backwards as far as I'm concerned. Uh, this article is just nothing but... Uh, fear-mongering. It says that surging COVID cases and M95 or M pox, monkey pox, and, and, uh, and then it says masks work. And critically, they don't need to work perfectly to have a positive impact. Well, that's a load of garbage because I think it was proven in many studies that masks do not work. And uh, many of the other uh, draconian 
steps that were taken by the overwhelmingly Nazi-like government officials causing shutdowns, causing bankruptcies, causing uh, all kinds of strife, those were ineffective as well. So I'm telling you right now, no mask for me. I don't care what it takes. They'll have to shoot me down. They'll have to pry my lack of a mask out of my cold, dead fingers. I'm going to have to figure out a better way to say that. Anyway, I'm going to turn it back over to Randy to slam the door on this thing because I think I've run out of chocolate milk stained documents to read from for a while. I'm glad you mentioned that it was chocolate milk stains because when you first drug that out of your drawer, Doug, uh-huh. it, it sounded like you were shuffling papyrus leaves. Uh, so I, I'm glad that I found out that it was chocolate. So, you know, if I ever, I was if be- I ever want to create like ancient documents, I'm going to start with brand new paper and then splash chocolate milk all over them. And that's yes, how I'll do it. That's that. That's how the movie studios do it. <laughs> I, I've seen it. Speaking of, you know, special effects, you know what movie studios use for snow? I, uh, yes, uh, soap flakes, uh, soap, right? Powdered soap? Uh, well, might have, but more traditionally, they use bleached corn flakes. Hmm. How do they bleach the corn flakes, I wonder? With carcinogenic bleach. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I could use some of that. Um, I got to tell you, the the most effective fake snow um, scenes in movies I've ever seen is that movie with uh, Jimmy Stewart called uh, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. And it looks like, I swear to God, I've had to wear an overcoat watching that movie. And then I read <laughs> that it was uh, filmed in the Valley in the San Fernando Valley in California in whatever year it was, 1945 or something. And uh, it was during a massive heat wave. Uh, it was as hot as it had ever been recorded in the San Fernando Valley while that movie was being filmed. Yet you would swear that those people are freezing to death. I know. I know. I, I totally understand your your viewpoint there. Well, we need to sign off for today because we have not overstayed our welcome, but we've used every nickel of our time that we had available. So I need to thank everyone for joining us. Believe me, we have a lot more fun with you than without you. And we always appreciate you spending a little bit of your day listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Uh, Some closing comments I always touch on is Doug loves email because without it, Doug doesn't have any reason to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. You know, even with email, I still don't have a very good reason (laughs) for getting up then. So dbj at mlmmailbag.com is where you want to send your questions and comments. Check out the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. Doug touched on the paperback. That's, he. We really want you to buy some because uh, we're thinking about putting on a special, you know, buy six, get six. And I, I don't think you can really beat that offer coming into the holiday season. There's also the audio version, the Kindle version. And just for one time, for holiday's sake, find some place to give our podcast the five-star review because without it, we are not going to be the top of the heap like we always have been striving to be. So help us out. Give us five stars, and that'll wake up the algorithms, you know, in terms of how they rank podcasts. But, you know, in the meantime, you have spent... Oh, I think it's what it is, 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. Well, thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye.